0: The Afterburn Podcast is a proud supporter of Guns Garen Memorial Foundation, helping our veterans and their families when they need it most. To learn more, visit GunsGarren.com slash rain. You're listening to The Lowdown, your insider look into everything defense, aviation, and geopolitics. Sam Lodge, Stroke A, Nose 5, low. Switch, negative contact on your Break right. Hey. The defending the Nose Hey, thanks for listening in. This is The Lowdown. Remember, if you don't have the newsletter yet, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but you want to grab that and you can do that in the link down below. Apologize for the infrequency. I'm trying to be on the one week rhythm here, but a lot of traveling for the day job. I'm actually down in Sydney, Australia. I know it's rough. Someone has to do it. I was just in Hawaii, so thank me for my service. But again, I will be better. I'll try to be better about the frequency of this. Thanks for everyone who's subscribing to the newsletter and listen to this. Today, jumping off with a new segment. I don't know if it'll stay in, but I think it's probably a good one. And this is in history. March 10th, 1967. Two F4Ds out of the 8th Tactical Fighter Wing, 433rd Tactical Fighter Squadron at Ubon Air Base in Thailand were tasked to strike a steel mill north of Hanoi in northern Vietnam. The pilot leading was Captain Bob Pardo, his wizzo, his weapons system officer, was First Lieutenant Steve Wayne, his wingman, Captain Earl Amon, and First Lieutenant Robert Hewington was Amon's wizzo. So if you're not familiar with Pardo's push, this is what we're going to talk about. This is a legendary story. The painting is in the newsletter. This is something you hear about, maybe not day one of ROTC or the Academy, but it's really early on. They're on this strike mission, and both aircraft are hit by enemy anti-aircraft fire and suffer significant damage. Amon's jet is critically damaged, and with a hit to the fuel tank, he is losing fuel, and he is losing altitude, and he's over bad guy land. Not where you want to be, and his only option is to bail out until Paro decides, let me attempt to try and arrest this descent and push Amon's F4 to good guy land, and then they can eject. He initially attempted using it, the drag chute compartment on the F-4, but turbulence, just challenges of actually making that stick. Pardo gave up. Then he had a lower his tail hook, which the F-4 can land on aircraft carriers. And, you know, by the way, a lot of people don't think Air Force jets have tail hooks, but the F-16 and F-15 do. Nowadays, the F-16 tail hook would, I don't think, survive uh, being pushed because it's a little tiny spring. Nonetheless, F4 was built for the Air Force and the Navy. Tailhook was the same, I believe, on all the models. So part of position is his jet underneath Amon's tailhook, resting it on his windscreen, and attempts to arrest the descent as he's pushing Amon's jet towards Good Guy Land. This is naturally incredibly challenging. Every 15, 30, 60 seconds or so, the tailhook is slipping off the jet. Just envision trying to hang out there and the precision of just pushing this jet. Uh, it's mind-boggling me. So Pardo has also been hit, so let's not forget that. He also has an engine fire, which requires him to shut down one of his engines. A lot is going on in this situation, and yet, let's remember, they're still over bad guy land. He pushes Amand's jet about 90 miles until they reach Laotian airspace. At this point, they're about 6,000 feet. They've run out of fuel, and they make the decision to eject both jets. All crew members jump out of these F-4s. Now you hear this, you read this, and it's like, no doubt this dude was a hero because he prevented two dudes from being captured by the North Vietnamese, surely, right? But it took over 20 years for the Air Force to come around and recognize his bravery, his resourcefulness, his fighter pilot edge, and he and Wayne were both awarded the Silver Star. So here's a toast to Lieutenant Colonel Bob Pardo. Thanks for paving the way. These are the guys, these are the giants that were standing on their shoulders. So, well, that said, let's get into the rest of the newsletter over to the flight line. Trevor Jacob, you might remember that name. This was the YouTuber who had his plane also have an engine failure. Conveniently, he was wearing a parachute and jumped out and survived. Now, it turns out he had planned all this. He confessed to planning all this. He was charged and sentenced to six months in federal prison, so that is probably not going to be an enjoyable experience. But he uploaded a video called, or titled, I Crashed My Airplane, showcasing him crashing his plane in Southern California under the guise of spreading his friend's ashes. The state crash raised suspicions due to him wearing a skydiving parachute, which I think there are claims it was a backpack, but me not being a skydiver, everyone chiming in, like clearly you can see this dude is, the backpack is not a backpack and it's a parachute. Lack of standard emergency procedure that he followed or executed in an attempt, because he's filming all this, remember, so great job. The FAA initially revoked his license and then charged him with obstructing a federal investigation because he went back in to the crash site. Remember, he had to get the footage off the GoPros to upload this to YouTube. And I believe he removed this like, the wreckage out piece by piece using a friend's helicopter etc he did this all in the name of sponsorship commissions and trying to rack up those views on youtube so now he gets to spend six months in federal prison i imagine he probably will never be able to fly again since the fa revoked his license solid work there buddy over to vans aircraft they filed for bankruptcy you know, I love G- GA. Uh, I would love to have an RV8. I think that'd be a fun little plane to fly around. To me, this is pretty surprising news. If you're an insider in the GA world, the general aviation world, maybe it's not as big of a surprise to you, but as popular because they do produce the most home built kits for any of the largest producer of experimental aircraft kits in the world. Incredibly popular, but they've experienced. Uh, high operating costs. Cost. They've had challenges with quality control and they've hit a cash crunch as the article says here. But it's a 51-year-old company. So now if you are in line to get a kit or if you placed an order, like one, there's going to be parts delays. Uh, they're laying out how this is going to be structured. Maybe you can continue building your aircraft, but it's going to cost you even more than you had planned. So this is not a great thing for the general aviation world. And I'm probably surprised, I think, to, to most people because it's such a bedrock of the general aviation community. The 2024 air show season schedule is out. The International Council of Air Shows, I have that linked in the newsletter. If you're ever curious to see what air shows are going on around the world, or around, yeah, actually around the world, uh, really specifically in the United States and Canada, all the shows will be listed there most of the show's information links to their websites but what military performers are going to be there and then typically civilian performers will get added on there's a little bit more flexibility and movement in the civilian performer arena and that's the specific show website has that but if you're curious where the thunderbirds the blue angels the snowbirds f-16 f-22 a-10 and f-35 demo teams are going to be and also our navy and marine counterparts the icas Schedule the cast website is where you want to go. So every year in December, that is when all air show performers, organizers, logistics, anyone associated with the air show world come together in Las Vegas. They plan the next season. The military teams release their schedules, and this is where a lot of uh, a lot of good memories are made and things like that. But a lot of planning happens for the following season. So you can check out the ICAST schedule if you're curious about an air show near you and what military teams are going to be showing up because that's probably the most accurate for right now. So, the Michigan Air National Guard, the 127th Air Refueling Wing, is piring a unique training program for KC 135 tanker crews. This program specializes its specialized fueling operation, including hot refueling and wet wing defueling, to enable operations for small, less equipped airfields. This is aligning with the Air Force's uh, Agile Combat Employment Strategy, which we've talked about in the podcast. We've talked about in the lowdown basically being able to forward deploy multiple assets across a large or multiple geographic areas. so instead of taking a wing picking all of its resources and assets and putting it into theater in one spot that could be struck by bombs and cruise missiles you spread it out what this requires though is a little bit more on the maintenance and or more autonomy on the maintenance and the pilots and the operations uh, entities that support this logistics as well that, that go into making all this happen because you're going to have a, just a tanker crew out there that now is refueling their own plane. Normally that's something that doesn't happen. So a lot of this stuff is going on and I think that's it's interesting as we move forward over the next uh, few years what the next threat is. But that kind of leads us into the defense segment here. I reported last newsletter about the Air Force Osprey crash that resulted in one fatality. I did not recognize at the time that the other crew members and members on this aircraft were not located yet. So unfortunately all of them were lost on board and now all five uh, remains that were missing have been found. They were out of the 353rd special operations wing out of Yokota air base. And it was a normal training mission. The U S air force, the Navy and the Japanese were all part of this retrieval effort to try and get these crew members back home and get them back to their families. so thoughts and prayers go out to everyone involved there as a result the u.s military has grounded its entire osprey v-22 fleet so lots of osprey crashes over the last few years um going on so it'll be interesting to see what what comes out of that but obviously the u.s air force the navy the marine corps we heavily rely upon the V 22 for our special operations and just normal operations, depending on where you're falling, what uniform you're wearing there. The Doomsday plane, that's the E 4B Nightwatch. This is a 747. It looks very similar paint scheme to Air Force One, if you haven't seen it. But again, there's a picture in the newsletter. It's basically, I think this is the plane that's going to be airborne when all the bad stuff happens. Uh, You put the Secretary of Defense on it. It allows the defense department to execute its missions from the president of the united states to be survivable uh, in the event of a nuclear war or all-out war there so boeing was removed from the competition it's time to get a new e4b just like we're uh, procuring a new air force one which we talked about boeing losing a lot of money on that a few newsletters ago but Boeing was excluded from this contract. It only leaves Sierra Nevada Corp as the sole contender for this Survival Airborne Operations Center, SOAC contract. No idea how they're going to pronounce that acronym, but we do love acronyms, and we do love coming up with funny names or associations with them. This exclusion for Boeing rose out of disagreements over data rights, contract terms, specifically Boeing's refusal to agree to a fixed-price contract. And again, we talked about that a few weeks ago, where they're just losing billions of dollars uh, over the fixed-price contract. The Air Force plans to award the SOAC contract in 2024. The Korean Air Force is out of an F-35. They plan to retire an F-35A that was struck uh, by a bird back in January of 2022. It caused so much damage, necessitating a belly landing due to the avionics malfunction where this bird hit and where it penetrated, so to speak, into the aircraft. After reviewing all the damage, damage uh, the article says there were 300 components, which is going to cost $140 billion won. So to not be so dramatic, it's $107 million, which exceeds the original jet's purchase price. So it is still pending the Defense Ministry's approval to do this, but the ROCAF, they operate 40 F-35. They plan to acquire more, including the B, the B variant, because who doesn't want their Fifth generation fighter to be able to take off uh, in a helicopter mode. And on this same line, so the U.S. Air Force has a Franken F 35. This is an innovative project at Hill. That's where a lot of heavy maintenance occurs, as well as a lot of other things. They have two basically F 35s that reque- re- received significant damage over the years one from 2020. I believe the other one was back in 2014 and they are piecing this jet back together again. Both were involved in, again, significant uh, incidents where they weren't gonna be flyable. So uh, they're piecing that back together, which is an interesting project. So Senator Tommy Tuberville, if you haven't really been following the news, he's been holding promotions for over 400 military officers. These are flag officers, general officers. He decided to release this. This has been a month long thing. This was, uh, It's also including appointments. Some things that kind of broke through was General Brown becoming the uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs. And I'm blanking on the Marine Commandant, so I apologize. But a lot of this was being held up, and he did cave to allow those uh, appointments to occur, but we've had a lot of vacancies throughout the general officer level, as well as other parts of the Department of Defense because of this hold, and this all stems from his... Uh, protest against the Department of Defense abortion-related travel cost reimbursement policy, so allowing people to travel across straight lines and get reimbursed for abortions. He's held these promotions for months now. He released it, everything at the three-star level and below. There's still 11 four-star generals that have holds on their promotion. So TBD, what's going to go on with that? Ukrainian forces successfully downed a Russian Su-24M attack aircraft over the Black Sea near Snake Island, Snake Island, from the beginning of the conflict, I should find that was uh, just a great uh, commentary between the Ukrainians and the Russians, where the Ukrainians basically told them to go shove it, and a uh, that's the politically correct close version there. So you're welcome. But they're being escorted by Su uh, Su 30 SM fighters, and on a strike mission. So the the striker is the Su 24. He's being escorted by the Su 30s. And they are able to take them down. They're saying in the uh, open source, and the news article that's linked there, Patriot missiles might have uh, been operating in the area in the Patriot was that took down the, the Su-24. Su-24 first came online in 1984. It's still an active platform for both Russia and Ukraine. A lot of defense going on this week, so just stay buckled in your chair here. Strategic expansion in the Pacific, satellite photos reveal the U.S., uh, constructing new facilities on old world war ii airfields so i haven't seen really any military presence since world war ii uh, tinan international airport in the northern merrier islands last utilized heavily for b-29 bombers on world war ii the air Force is, is back and expanding that again this all ties to the agile combat deployment if we're looking at the pacific which is a rather large ocean being able to have different spots different locations to operate out of uh, is, is critical. So not a lot of great options and hasn't really popped up in the news in the last few years. But do you remember back when the Chinese were building islands, which they're still doing? Uh, that was a hotness. It turns out you need you need places to operate aircraft from in the big, big blue sea there. Military budget, continuing resolutions. POPCO is a great resource for this over the Merge newsletter, but you know, we're facing another continuing resolution that'll be in february but general brown who's now the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff has expressed the urgent concerns of congress for the year-long continuing resolution on the military so continuing resolutions is just a continuing extension of the previous year budget you're like ah, that might not be that big of a deal but one these are always delayed we see the government always being threatened to shut down so you cannot plan Accordingly for what you need to do. And then you also can't start anything new or very rare, 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 rare exceptions. So it ends up limiting modernization efforts. It ends up limiting procurement efforts. This article talks about the impact on military retention, but really, uh, yeah, you, absolutely military retention because people do get fed up with this. But when it comes to uh, buying these expensive things and maintaining a force, when you can't plan, you are going to fail. And we do this over and over again. I don't know how, uh, I mean, everyone has to be banging their head against the wall. It's sad that this is what we do. Didn't really catch a whole lot of the news and make it to the news cycles this summer, right? But if you remember that the Air Force said, hey, we're pausing all PCSs, meaning permit change of station, so you can't move, and pausing, I think all the bonuses because they're running out of money, which is unheard of, right? Like it's never in the, at least probably the last, 25, 30 years that that, that's been a thing. But put yourself, and for a retention standpoint, put yourself in a service member's family. So you've received orders. This process is taking months. You put your house on the market. You sell your house and you're getting ready to move. And then surprise, you're not moving. We don't know when you're going to move. It's going to be next year because we don't have any money to move. Or maybe you've already sold your house and you moved into temporary lodging but it's just going to be Two or three weeks, this transition period, as you're wrapping up at this base, moving to the next base, getting ready to close on your house at the next spot. One, uh, interest rates, that's going to really sting. But imagine just the stress and strain that creates on the family unit when you go down this road. So there's so much here with continuing resolutions that we just keep kicking the can down the road. And it is a severe detriment to our readiness and what we need to do. And, yeah, again, this one talks about the retention. It definitely has an impact on people and lives because how many families want to keep putting up with the Shenanigans when they have other options out there? So I digress. Let's jump around the globe here. This one's kind of quick because we've been talking for a little bit, but China has appointed a ambassador to Afghanistan. This is a big deal because this is the first big diplomatic move in Afghanistan with a nation assigning a ambassador to Afghanistan since the Taliban took over in 2021. So the Chinese didn't officially recognize... The Taliban, but it signifies obviously they want to have a big dialogue and cooperate cooperation with Afghanistan. Not that they're already not doing that. So other nations have utilized a uh, what is it? A chargé d'affaires. Um, I don't speak French, but basically they just appoint someone to handle any kind of governmental and state to state relations and work that needs to be done between these without officially appointing ambassador to that nation so China's there uh, and doing that a spy was arrested in Miami Victor Manuel Rocha his former U.S ambassador to Bolivia let that sink in the former U.S ambassador to Bolivia has been charged by the Department of Justice for allegedly acting as a covert agent for the Cuban intelligence services He's 73 today, but spent 25 years in the Foreign Service and accused of engaging in clandestine activities with Cuba since 1981. So, sharing false information with the U.S., meeting with Cuban operatives. Not good. That doesn't make you feel good when you have an ambassador or former ambassador uh, engaged in something like this. We did highlight it a few weeks back again with uh, over a hundred attempts by the Chinese over the past few years of the FBI's investigating to gain access to sensitive sites, et cetera. We've seen two uh, Navy sailors arrested in July for spying for the Chinese. This is just what we know about, right? But if you could throw a hundred thousand people at this problem and uh, you know, a thousand get through, like you're still getting a lot of good information. So Lots of bad stuff that comes out of that. This is a lowdown for the week. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Remember, wherever you're getting, you want to make sure you want to subscribe to the newsletter. Wherever you're listening, leave a like, review, comment, help rating, help this thing be spread, and help me keep doing this. I'll see you next week. The Afterburn Podcast is a proud supporter of Guns Gear and Memorial Foundation helping our veterans and their families when they need it most. To learn more, visit gunsgarin.com rain.